the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, San Jose and the greater Bay Area. This is your host, estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, broadcasting from my beautiful office here in San Jose. I hope you've had a great week so far, and I want to let you know I think we're going to have a good show today. A lot of interesting topics to cover. I think you may hear something that may apply to you or apply to someone you know. I find the longer that I practice, uh, the more that I hear of situations that apply to more than one person, more than one family. Today I was meeting with a couple and talking about an issue like that of of someone actually um, having their spouse pass away, then they move away and they end up marrying somebody else and leaving everything to the new spouse and nothing goes to the children from the first marriage. They were nodding their heads. They said it happened in their family. It's happened in my extended family. So those are the kinds of things we talk about and the kinds of things we deal with in estate planning. Ways There are ways to actually ensure that doesn't happen so that children don't end up being intentionally or accidentally disinherited by a surviving parent. Now, like I said, I'm going to be covering a lot of things today. If you'd like to call me because you have a question you'd like answered on the air, the number is 800-516-1220, like the call numbers for KDOW, 800-516-1220. You can also email me at radio at lawbob.com. You can ask me questions that way. That will uh, we can answer on the air, maybe not today, but maybe at a later show. You can also request a copy of my free consumer guide to a uh, California consumer guide to wills, living trusts, and estate planning. It's a very long guide, probably about forty pages long, and I cover a lot of interesting estate planning situations, planning options, and I guarantee if you get the guide and read it from cover to cover, you will become better educated about estate planning in California than maybe all your friends, and then you can impress them with your newfound knowledge from my brochure and my guide. So let's start into some of the questions and the comments that I've gleaned from, uh, these are actual questions and situations being brought to the attention of attorneys here in California, I think you'll find that uh, some of them you'll go, well, that doesn't sound like such a bad thing. Other one you'll go, oh, my goodness, what if that happened to my family? So the first one is one that I, I actually replied to online a short while ago, and 
it went something like this. Mom died about a year ago, and she had a bank account with $50,000 in it. There's four children. Mom didn't have any kind of a will, which suggests that there maybe was no estate plan in place. One brother somehow closed out mom's account and is telling the other three children, I get to decide when and how much I give all of you from mom's property. Now, there's a lot of issues I see here. Um, It's not clear whether or not the brother had any right to close out mom's account. Here's some possible things. Mom had the son on as a co-owner on the account. Now, if that's the case, when mom died, that son owns the account as a matter of law, because if they're a co-owner, they could close it anytime they want, take the money out anytime they want. Second possibility, mom named that son as the pay-on-death beneficiary of that account, maybe with a verbal request, uh, close out the account and distribute the money equally between you and your siblings. Third possibility, the son had the power of attorney over the account that was granted by the mom before she died. Then mom died, and the son went into the bank, didn't tell the bank, my mother has died, but just used the power of attorney to close out the account. Now, I'll tell you right now, that's against the law. That's a violation of the law. The power of attorney authority actually ends completely the moment the person that granted it dies. And if he used that authority to close the account after his mother died, he was acting contrary to the power of attorney laws. Fourth possibility is that he went to the bank and he gave them what's called a small estate affidavit, which basically tells the bank, hey, this person died. They had this account. I'm the person entitled under the law to receive this account, and I'm signing a sworn affidavit, meaning a statement under penalty of perjury under the laws of the state of California, that this is true. Now, if he did that, he not only violated the law, but he may actually be criminally responsible for giving a false statement under penalty of perjury to the bank to get that money from his mother's account. Because if she died without a will, then all four of her children are the people entitled to that account, and all four of the children had to sign that sworn statement saying that they were entitled to the account. So regardless, if it's one of the first alternatives, the brother may actually hold all the cards. It may be all his money, and he's absolutely right. He can give money to his siblings if he chooses to or not. And mom did very lousy estate planning. If it's one of the latter two, acting under a power of attorney or using that small estate affidavit after the mother died, then the brother has acted contrary to law and is potentially going to be in serious trouble if the the other siblings take him to court. So in a case like that, I would say, You might want to get an attorney involved to write a letter to the brother basically demanding that he provide the proof as to why he had the authority to close that account after the mother died because it sounds like there's just some weird stuff going on there. Now, here's another one. This is from Southern California. Um, Mom has her house in a living trust. 
supposed to go to her children. She did a quick deed, and I assume that means they mean a quit-claim deed to her husband. I guess quit-claiming the house to her husband without taking it out of the trust. Well, let's pause right there. Here in California, if you make a deed of any kind, a transfer of an interest in real estate to anybody, if you draw that up in the proper form, sign it and have it notarized, if you record it, that actually transfers the title to the person. But if you deliver the deed to the person you want to receive the property, here in California, that transfers the title to them the moment that they receive delivery of that deed. So if she gave this deed to her husband before she died, then by doing that, she actually took it out of her trust, and he can turn around and record that deed, and now it's his property. In this case, though, they're saying the husband's unable to sell the property, and I'm trying to figure out why he's unable to sell the property. It may be that the title company, if the deed wasn't recorded before the the mother died, they may be saying, we're not comfortable with recording this now after the fact. It should have been recorded before she died. And maybe they're saying, we need something more than that before we'll issue title insurance. So that might actually be the issue. In this case, there would be a way to get the property able to be sold, perhaps going to court and asking that it be put back into the mother's trust so that it could be sold by the successor trustee of that trust. That's another possibility. Now, we're coming up on the break, and I wanted to remind you, you can call me if you wish uh, today. Talk on the phone today, 800-516-1220, 800-516-1220. You can also email me at radio at lawbob.com. So when we come back after the break, I'll be covering some more questions and comments from around the state of California. Talk with you after the break. This is attorney Bob Bergman. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. I hope you uh, had a chance to go and get a drink of water, visit the restroom, something like that on the break. I certainly took some water myself. A little dry today. It's kind of dry down here in San Jose. And in a dry day like this, I often find that I don't drink enough water. I'm sure a lot of you, it's the same thing. And uh, I know that when I'm feeling thirsty, that means I'm a bit low, maybe about a pint or two low. So I try and get a lot of water on days like this. Hope you do as well. So here, um, here's someone asks a very, very straightforward question. Uh, and, and I'm sure a lot of you out there, you've been thinking of this at some point. Uh, it says, I want to ensure my children's financial future should me and or my wife pass. I'm told a living trust is the route we should take. Um, so our finances, choice of guardian for our kids, they're not delayed in the probate process, but I'm not sure how to begin. I have a 401k, life insurance, and social security to include. Where should I start? Well, that's, you know, that's a real good question. A lot of people w- would say, you know, oh, well, you know, 
go and do it online. You can take care of it that way or get a book at Barnes and Noble or from Amazon and just you can take care of that. That's really easy. I'll tell you right now, estate planning is not easy at all. I've been at it, gosh, you know, 35, 36 years, something like that. And I learn new things every day. What I would tell this person who's actually out in the Central Valley, you need to find an attorney out there that you can sit down and talk with about your family situation. And your best bet is to find an attorney that has many years' experience in estate planning and preferably someone who's board certified by the State Bar Board of Legal Specialization as a specialist in estate planning, trust, and probate law. Now, I happen to have that certification. It's a certification that's shared by only about a 100 or so attorneys in Santa Clara County, which means it's a very small number of us here in the county. There's over 8,000 lawyers in Santa Clara County. That's according to the State Bar of California. And I think something like this especially when you have retirement monies and life insurance and you've got young kids because we're talking about guardians, you want to make sure that you have an estate plan that is going to be comprehensive, is going to protect you, protect your spouse, the surviving spouse, if you choose to do that, and protect the inheritance for the children after you're both gone. In this case, the mom and the dad are gone. So don't play with this. Don't try to do this yourself. I don't work on the engine of my car for the simple fact that I would probably break everything if I tried. I don't try to do things. I didn't try. just finished painting my house. Had a great job done by a painter here in the South Bay. And I would not even attempt that. They did such a great job. And I'm willing to pay to have a great job done. And you know what? Looking at my house, it's a whole new house now. But it's because I had a professional do it for me. And, and here, this family, they need to have a professional do it for them as, as well. Now here, this is interesting. Um, in this case here, someone said, my father-in-law died with a living trust. Do we need to go through probate to gain access to his life insurance? So apparently, the father-in-law died leaving a living trust, naming um, his son as trustee. And the son and a daughter are the only heirs. Dad left a life insurance policy, but the insurance company says they won't disperse the money unless the son goes through the probate process. The insurance is about $60,000, and the whole estate was about, I guess, $95,000. The question is, does the husband really have to go through the probate process to receive the funds? Well, there's some information missing in here. There's no indication one way or the other whether or not this life insurance policy that the father had actually named a beneficiary on it. If there's a named beneficiary or one or more beneficiaries, they're the ones the insurance company would disperse the policy to as long as they can prove they're who they are and everything else. The fact the insurance company is saying, you need to go through probate means that they probably don't have a beneficiary named on the insurance policy. But here's the deal. If the whole estate is about $95,000 and the insurance is about $60,000 of that, 
there is really no need to go through the probate process under California law to take over that money. I remember earlier in the show I talked about a small estate affidavit for that mother's bank account. Well, here the brother and the sister could likely use the small estate affidavit procedure to take over the life insurance as the father's heirs. If the father had a special will with his trust called a poor over will, it might say to turn property over to uh, to his trust before it's dispersed. If that's the case, whoever the successor trustee of the trust, or actually whoever is named as the executor in the will, would prepare that affidavit, give it to the insurance company, and then indicate, please turn the money over to the trustee of the father's trust. So really what the insurance company is defaulting to is what would happen in other parts of the country where they don't have a law like we have in California, which is we need a court order to turn that money over to anybody. But in California, they should be able to do it following the small estate affidavit procedure that can be found in the probate code. Now here, this one, I hear this kind of stuff on a regular basis. There's a trust. um, There's a number of beneficiaries of the trust This was a grandfather who died. His house was sold. Checks were cut to the beneficiaries, this person, aunts, and uncles. The trust states that an equal share goes to each living child, that would be the aunts and uncles, and one for each group of the living issue, generally children, of a deceased child. In this case, this person's parent died before the grandfather died which means that by the terms of the trust, he gets his parents' share from his grandfather's distribution. But the problem is this. His aunts and uncles have gotten their checks, but he hasn't gotten his check because that's supposed to be turned over to him. So the question is, do I have to take my uncle to court um, in order to get my money? What do I do? Well, I'll tell you, first I'd say, talk with your uncle and say, hey, Uncle Joe, Where's my check for my dad's share, my mom's share, whatever it happens to be, and and see what his answer is. See if he has an excuse. See if he has a reason. See if the check was lost in the mail. But if the uncle gives you a hard time, then you might actually have to get an attorney involved to write a demand letter on the uncle saying, hey, by the terms of the trust, you're supposed to turn this over. Where's the money for my client? That might actually take care of the issue right there. Here's a situation out of of Ventura. So I guess Ventura County. And this person says, my dad was a lawyer and he wrote his own declaration of trust in which I am the trustee. Let's pause right there. I hope that dad was an estate planning lawyer because I've seen lawyers that have written their own trust and estate plans. And sometimes if they're not really specialized in that area, they end up with some pretty bad work. So that's not the issue here, but I just want to mention that in passing. In this case, the mortgage company is asking for a certificate of trust with a taxpayer ID number. Said, I can't find that document. What do I do? Well, since it seems that the dad has died, which means now his trust needs to get a tax ID number because it's now an irrevocable trust. The son can create the certificate of trust or certification 
with that tax ID number. That's something you can go back to another attorney, help them make that up, provide it to the mortgage company, or they may even have a form he can fill out with the required information. But the first thing he's going to need to do is he's going to need to apply to the IRS to get a taxpayer ID number for his dad's trust because he can't use his dad's Social Security number anymore. So we're about done with this segment. We're coming to the middle of the show. Hope you're enjoying it so far. Feel free to call me after the break at 800-516-1220. Until after the break, this is attorney Bob Bergman, and I'll talk with you then. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back for the third segment of our show today on Plan Your Estate Radio. Uh, I hope you're enjoying it so far. Again, if you'd like to give me a call and ask a question on the air, I'd be happy to talk with you. 800-516-1220 is the number to call. Uh, 800-516-1220. Now, I've got um, many, many more questions and comments today, and I'm only going to be able to get through a handful of them before we're done today. But uh, let's get moving on here, because I think you may hear something here that uh, applies to a lot of people. Here's someone um, out of the uh, Monterey area. Wanted to know, said, in my late father's living trust and his will, I'm named as his trustee. Let's pause right there. He's probably named as the trustee in in the trust and as the executor in the will. Um, All my father's real and personal property was given to me to be transferred into my name and my name solely. So do I have to file some sort of document regarding executorship if his trust is not going into probate? Well, short answer to that is... If this person's father had everything that he owned actually owned by his living trust, then that means that his will is not needed to transfer property to his heirs, uh, in this case, the daughter. Now, under the law, the daughter has to take the father's will and file it with the court in the county where he lived. That's called lodging the will with the court. She's going to pay $50 for the privilege to do that. It's a mandatory requirement. But that's all she would have to do here. She wouldn't have to actually start a probate if, in fact, everything her father owned was owned in his living trust. But she does have to take his will and lodge it or file it with the court. She, If she does that, she should probably take a copy with her and turn the original over and have them stamp what's called endorse file stamp the copy of the will so she has proof that it was filed and they've assigned some kind of a date to it maybe even a number that they assigned to it and that way the original will is now in the official records of the court in case it ever needed to be accessed again in the future now here's a situation that i'm sure comes up fairly frequently, more frequently than people um, imagine. And uh, in this case, it has to do with property coming from outside of the country. But 
I'll, I'll share a little bit in a moment about property inside the country and what the issue is. Here's someone that has a very, very low income from a pension, and they get Medi-Cal. Now, Medi-Cal, someone receiving Medi-Cal with a low income, Medi-Cal uh, was originally intended to provide for the payment of long-term care for people who were indigent uh, or who had uh, few resources. It has been expanded, or the rubber band has been stretched out to include families that are on government assistance and that are low income, uh, which means anybody receiving SSI from the government, for example, or who's a special needs person and receiving benefits, they qualify for Medi-Cal for their health insurance. In this case, this person's parents died and left their property in Europe to the person receiving Medi-Cal. This person sold the property there and transferred the money to a United States bank account and wanted to know, is this going to be considered income for my Medi-Cal, and I, am I going to lose it? Well, that's a serious issue here because he received an inheritance from his parents and that came to him and now he has that money. If he's receiving Medi-Cal, he might very well have a requirement to spend virtually all of that money in order to not lose his Medi-Cal benefits, his health insurance benefits. He might very well lose his Medi-Cal because he now has money. It doesn't matter if it's income or if it's just cash. It's probably not income. It may just be cash that is not counted as income. But that is a problem. You see the same problem when someone who is on, who is receiving government benefits of any kind has an inheritance left directly to them. You don't want to leave an inheritance directly to someone whose special needs or someone who's receiving benefits from the government, such as Medi-Cal for health insurance, SSI for income, Section 8 housing for their housing, anything like that. Because if someone receives an inheritance, then they may very well lose all their benefits and have to spend the inheritance before they can become eligible again. So as I tell people, there's one right way to leave property to someone who's receiving government benefits, and every other way is wrong or even dangerous to their benefits. In this case, this person sadly may end up very well losing their health insurance benefit through Medi-Cal because of the inheritance they received from selling the parent's property in Europe. Now, here we go. Here's someone. This, I can guarantee, comes up all the time. Someone uh, here, a parent had a trust, died, and then there are two siblings, one of whom is the successor trustee of the trust, and the other one is solely a beneficiary of the trust. So one's a trustee and beneficiary, one's a beneficiary. And the question is this, the one who's just the beneficiary wants to know, hey, my brother had the house appraised and plans to sell it at $150,000 below market value. Do I have to accept that if I own half? Well, I'll tell you right now, the answer is no. In fact, if the brother who's in charge is getting ready to sell property that is going to both of them 
for 150000 less than market value, that brother is getting ready to actually violate his obligations as the trustee of the trust, specifically his obligations to, to deal appropriately with assets, to get fair value for assets, and to not damage the interest of the, of the beneficiaries of the trust, which includes the trustee himself, but includes the brother who's worried about this. So if this person walked in, I'd say the first thing we do is we quickly shoot a letter off to your brother saying, hold on there. Don't you dare sell this property for 150 k less than market value, because if you do that over my objection, we're going to go to court and demand that this loss be charged back against you for violating your responsibilities as a fiduciary, as the trustee of the trust, to not act in that way. When I hear something like this, my first thought is, Who is the brother planning to sell the property to? Is he planning to sell it to, say, a straw man, a friend of his or an acquaintance who's going to turn right around and uh, buy the property and then turn right around and transfer it to the brother and get their money back? And now the brother ends up with all of the property and basically shafts his other brother out of $75,000 of his inheritance. When I hear things like that, it usually tells me my spidey sense kind of comes in and says there's something else going on if the brother is going to do something as, I'll say it, as boneheaded as trying to sell a property for 150000 less than what it's worth. Now, maybe the brother who's complaining has no idea what he's talking about, But I'll tell you what, I've seen situations like this. Usually it indicates there's some funny business going on in some way. Now here, one last one before we uh, reach the next break, which will be shortly here. How do we get the title of my deceased mother's house into her trust? She had a condo in her trust since 2004. In 2014, she sold it. 2015, she bought a new house, but never transferred title to the trust. Then she passed away this year. Well, this is a classic situation where you have to maybe do what's called a Hegstat petition, petition under the probate code, to have this property declared part of mom's trust. It's going to take some documentation of intent in Santa Clara County. If she has a will saying, turn things over to my trust, that would be enough to get into the trust. In the absence of that, they may have to go through the entire probate process to get this property turned over to mom's trust. And that's certainly not what she intended, but that may end up unfortunately being the result for this family. The time, the cost, the public nature of the probate process, which where they're located in Southern California could take a year or two to get through. So after the break, we'll come back for the last segment of the show Uh, Feel free to call me, 800-516-1220. I'd be happy to talk with you on the air. But until then, this is Attorney Bob Bergman, and I'll see you after the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. 
Welcome back for the final segment of our show today. Uh, I'm going to wrap up the show today with a number more of these questions and comments that I uh, received from all over the state of California. <clears throat> Sometimes I answer them directly with people, but for the most part, I bring them on the air here so that all of you can hear some of the situations that families get into in the area of estate planning. You may have already heard something today that you went, wow, that happened in my family. And uh, if that's the case, you might want to consider actually having a consultation. Uh, I do offer free consultations for estate planning in my office. You can visit my website at lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B.com, and uh, click on the link to book an estate planning consultation. That will take you through to... uh, to, uh, into my calendaring system where you can book a date and time, get a confirmation by email and another email with links to what to download and bring with you when you come in to meet with me. So I have a very automated, systematized program in, in how I deal with people and how I meet with them and how I do my planning. I know the engineers here in the Valley seem to love working with me because I'm very much a flow process type person. I was raised by an engineer, my dad, and I kind of picked up a lot of uh, how he approached life and problem solving uh, in my practice. So I apparently practice like an engineer and I think like an engineer. So if you're an engineer and you want to talk to an attorney who understands you, come and talk with me. I think we'd probably get along just fine. Now here, here's uh, something I'm sure a lot of people have run into. Uh, In this case, we've got uh, grandparents who passed away and they set up a trust for their daughter as a lifetime income beneficiary, and then the grandchildren are the beneficiaries after the daughter. Now, this is a type of planning I do regularly for people. Uh, It's an asset protection approach. It means that the inheritance of the child, in this case the mother, is protected from her creditors, and she gets the lifetime use and benefit of the property in that trust. And then when she passes away, it passes on to the next generation after that. Um, this is what is called uh, generation skipping transfer tax uh, planning. And I call it the castle trust, building a castle around the inheritance. But the issue here is these grandchildren <clears throat> want to know what's... It, what can they find out about what's going on with this trust? Because their mother is no longer no longer has legal capacity, um, and they want to know, hey, can we find out anything about what's going on with the trust for our mother while she's still alive? The short answer is no. Uh, if you think that the trustee of the trust is playing fast and loose with handling things for the, for your mother then the appropriate thing to do is maybe go to Adult Protective Services, talk with them about it, talk about your concerns there. But you really have no legal right to obtain any information about an irrevocable trust um, other than the fact that the trust exists and that you are ultimate beneficiaries. But the day-to-day workings of the trust, accountings, things like that, Those are not really accessible to you until you become the direct beneficiary of that irrevocable trust, which is what would happen when this person's mother passes away at some point in the future. Okay, here. Oh, here we go. 
Yeah. Here's uh, here are two brothers that want invest that have invest in investment properties in California with their parents who are American citizens. Um, the brothers are not American citizens, and they said, "Well, can we set up a living trust and and put all the properties in the trust since we don't have everybody's name on all the properties?" And <laughs> this. You know what? I'm just going to move on from this one. This one is so confusing. I'm confusing myself just trying to interpret what the person's trying to say. So let's move on here. Here's um, someone asking a trust interpretation question. What does it mean if a trust instrument says, trustee had the power to purchase assets and make loans to the probate estate? Well, what that means is if someone has a trust and they actually may also have a probate estate because there's property that has to go through the probate process, you want the trustee to be able to coordinate with the probate estate. And that might include buying property from the probate estate to get it into the trust more quickly and then settling up the proceeds and everything at the end of the probate or to make loans to the probate estate because there's expenses that actually need to be taken care of, um, actually need to be taken care of in the probate, but there's not enough cash there. So by making a loan, you could pay the attorney, you could pay the the probate referee who's the court appraiser, you could pay the filing fees, maybe pay off creditors' claims, uh, all that in order to clear the probate out. So that's probably what we're talking about here. I would think that would be the most logical thing. One last thing before we're done for the day. Someone has a temporary conservatorship of their mother, and this person wants to know, hey, can my brother evict me from my mom's house? Well, the answer is pretty much yes. Uh, Unless you have a signed lease and you're paying rent and otherwise in compliance, if you're just sponging off mom, then yes, your brother can probably evict you from the house because he's in charge of your mother's finances. And if you're not paying... Get out, get a job, go find your own place to live. Well, until next week, I wanted to thank you for being here today. Uh, Please contact me, radio at lawbob.com. Until next week, this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and I'll talk with you then. Goodbye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.